Glad you're here today. I want to just encourage you with a little information about what we're doing today. Today and next week, we are continuing a little mini-series on the church that Scotty Squires started for us last week, and I appreciate what he did for us last week. And so we're going to begin that, continue that today, and next week we'll be spending our time primarily in Acts chapter 11. So if you want to turn to Acts chapter 11, that's where we'll be. We'll do a little bit in Acts chapter 13. We'll do some in 14 and 15 next week. And we're looking together at the church at Antioch. Now, in order to jump into Acts chapter 11, let me do a little background to get you up to chapter 11. So Acts chapter 1 is this commission of Jesus Christ to the church, to the followers of Christ. I want you to go into Jerusalem and tell people about me. I want you to go into areas outside of Jerusalem and tell people about me. I want you to go to the remotest parts of the planet, and I want you to tell people about me. So he gives this great commission to his followers, and then the Pentecost happens. The Spirit of God comes, people are being saved in large numbers there in Jerusalem, and the church at Jerusalem, followers of Jesus Christ, come together as the church at Jerusalem, and God is working marvelously in their church. It's an incredible, incredible description of what God is doing in the first six chapters of Acts there with the church in Jerusalem. Then towards the end of chapter 6 and on into chapter 7, we begin to see something very significant. A guy named Stephen has confessed that he's following Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and the religious leaders in Jerusalem don't like the claims that he's making. They bring him into the council. He gives his defense of following Christ. He starts in the Old Testament, walks all the way up to the person of Christ, and gives a claim about who Christ is and why he's following that send those religious leaders into orbit. They are enraged. They drag him out of the city, and they stone him to death. And that sets off a chain reaction there in Jerusalem of persecution. As a result of the persecution there in Jerusalem, the people who are part of the church of Jerusalem begin to scatter back out into places outside of Jerusalem. Now in Acts chapter 8 and chapter 9, primarily we're seeing there the conversion of a man named Saul. Saul is a part of the persecution. He is making every effort to persecute this new church that we see blossoming in Jerusalem. As a result of that, Jesus encounters Saul. And Saul then realizes he's persecuting Jesus, who is the Messiah, and Saul gives his life to Christ, and Christ completely transforms him so that we now even call him by a new name, the name Paul. So that's the story of that experience where Paul is going to be someone who goes to the nations, just like we see in Acts chapter 1 saying that the people are going to go to the nations. So then in Acts chapter 10, Peter, the apostle Peter, has a calling to go to Cornelius, And his house, now Cornelius is a a Gentile, he lives in Caesarea, and Peter goes down there, shares Christ with Cornelius, his whole family comes to Christ, and all of a sudden Peter understands that the Gentiles are receiving the exact same salvation that the Jews were receiving back in Jerusalem. And so Peter makes his way back to Jerusalem to tell the church of Jerusalem what's happening among the Gentiles. About the same time that's going on, people that left Jerusalem because of the persecution have filtered into other areas, and one of the areas some of the Jewish Christians went into is the area of Antioch. They begin telling people in Antioch, primarily Jews in the beginning, about Jesus Christ, but then they go ahead and do something that is not normal. They tell the Gentiles, the non-Jews about Jesus, and much to their amazement, many Gentiles come to faith in Christ, and a church blossoms right there in Antioch made up of primarily 
Gentiles. Now, this sends news all the way back to Jerusalem, to the church at Jerusalem, and they're a little bit bewildered. What is going on? This is unprecedented. We have a complete movement of God down in Antioch among the Gentiles. We have a church that's going on there. We're hearing about this. We've got to send somebody down there to check it out. And so the Jerusalem church appoints a guy named Barnabas to go down to Antioch and check things out as a representative from the church in Jerusalem. That's where we pick up our story, Acts chapter 11. So Acts chapter 11, verse 23 When he arrived, seeing the grace of God, he rejoiced and he encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. What I want us to do today is I want us to do the same thing we see Barnabas doing right here. He went to Antioch. And the Bible says when he got there and he saw the church, what he saw was the grace of God. And what I'd like us to do today is take a look at the church at Antioch and see the visibility of God's grace in the church. Years ago, when we had our firstborn, I'll never forget in the hospital, holding him right after he was born and just looking into his little face, I looked into his face and I discovered in that moment I was seeing far more than I was looking at. Have you been there? You're looking at something, you're seeing it, but what you're really seeing is far more than just what you're seeing. When I looked at that little baby, I saw more about my love for Lindley and Lindley's love for me than I had seen before that moment. When I looked into that little baby's face, I saw more about my mom and dad's love for me that they expressed to me through the years. When I looked into that little baby's face, I saw more about my heavenly father's love for me. I was looking at my little baby, but I was seeing so much more than that. And it caused me to rejoice. I mean, really rejoice. This morning, we have the chance as a church family to to see the grace of God in the church in Antioch. But I believe that this morning, we're going to see much more than that. And it should cause us to rejoice. When Barnabas showed up in Antioch, he saw the grace of God in the church at Antioch. And what he saw first when he showed up is a whole bunch of people from Antioch who had made the decision to follow Jesus Christ. And when he saw all this group of people that made the decision to follow Christ, he says, I see the grace of God. What did he see? He saw people from Antioch. Antioch is a Roman colony, a Roman city that is just full of immorality, idolatry, completely full of paganism. So Barnabas is seeing people who have said, I want to leave a lifestyle that our culture embraces of idolatry. And I want to take up a lifestyle of following Jesus Christ that our culture will vilify. 
He's seeing people that are making decisions to leave everything they knew, everything they called normal, and following Jesus in a way that nobody around them would say they're normal. You know what happened in Antioch? People were deciding to follow Jesus Christ, and they were talking about Jesus Christ all the time. They were saying, we're Christ followers. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. We believe he's the Lord and Savior of all. You've got to trust him if you want to have eternal life. Everybody has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Well, they're telling everybody about Jesus Christ all the time, and it's right here in Antioch. If you look at verse 26 in chapter 11, it's right here in Antioch that people are first called Christians. What does that mean? They were talking about Jesus Christ so much that people had to call them something because they were obviously a different group now. And the only thing they could think of calling them is these are people who are following Jesus Christ, hence they're called Christians. They became so clearly designated from everybody else in the community because they had really decided to follow Jesus Christ that people said, you're Christians. These are people that really decided to follow Christ. You don't live in Antioch and say, hey, that sounds cool. I'd like to follow Jesus Christ. That sounds like a fun way to make friends and create business opportunities. You don't do that in Antioch. You will not make friends. You will not create business opportunities. You might lose your family and lose your business. And if people decided to follow Jesus in Antioch, people were really deciding to follow Jesus. So when Barnabas saw that, he rejoiced because he saw in that decision the grace of God. But he saw something more. If you you look here in, in chapter 11, verse 24, it says that many people, many were added to the Lord. At the at the end of verse 24, a great number of people were added to the Lord. So here's what Barnabas saw. He comes into Antioch, he sees all the people that decided Jesus follow Jesus Christ to really follow Jesus Christ. And as a result of their decision to really follow Jesus Christ, they were going out into Antioch and saying, you need to follow Jesus Christ. And many more people were deciding to follow Jesus Christ. And so you see not only the visibility of the grace of God in the church when people come to trust Christ, but you see the increase of the visibility of the grace of God in the church when the people who really decide to follow Christ go and tell other people about how to follow Christ. You look at the church of Antioch and you can see along with Barnabas the grace of God at work here in such a way that you can't miss it. People are deciding to follow Christ and because they really decide to follow Christ, they're helping other people follow Christ. Now that we've seen the grace of God in the church of Antioch, I want to tell you a little bit more about Southside Baptist Church. There's a guy that I've been meeting with over the past months He's a young married guy in our church. When I first met with him, he'd say things to me like, I don't really know for sure how to follow the Lord. I don't really know for sure how to study my Bible. I don't know that I've ever really heard the Lord direct me in my life. I'm not really sure what to do in my young marriage, in leading my home in the Lord. I was like, hey, will you want to get together for a while and talk about these things? He's like, yeah, I need help. We began to do that. And I got to see this guy begin to say things like, man, I was reading my Bible the other day and I just, I just read this and I thought, wow, this is who God is? 
I want to know him. And he would say, I feel like the Lord wants me to do this. And he starts following him and he's having all these changes in his home, in his life, his marriage, his workplace. I mean, all of this stuff the Lord's doing in his life. And I'm going to tell you right now, every time we'd meet and he'd leave, he'd say something like, man, thank you so much for meeting with me and helping me. And I'd say to him, look, I need to thank you. Because when you leave here, I'm going to be like dancing in my office, praising the Lord and rejoicing because it is so incredible to see the grace of God at work in you. I'm going to tell you, the day that he came and he said, Kevin, I've got a friend and he doesn't know the Lord like I'm getting to know the Lord. I want to start praying about how I can talk to him about helping him like you've been helping me. Can we start praying about that? I want to talk to him. I don't know what to say. I mean, how do I say? I want to mentor you? That sounds a little weird. Uh, he's like, I don't even know what to say. I don't know how to do it. But, but I know that I want this guy to know the Lord like I know the Lord. I'm going to tell you right now, the moment he said, the day he said that, I had never seen the grace of God more visible in his life than that moment. And I rejoiced. I just rejoiced. We've, we've got a home group that meets in our church. They meet you know, each month together in a home. And, and the reason this home group is meeting is because several months ago, a, a, a young man and, and a young lady, married couple, comes to me and says, God's working in our lives. He's doing some things in our lives. And, and we really feel like we want to start a smaller group, home group type deal, and encourage people to come to be a part of that, who God is stirring in their hearts to share the gospel with others. And so we're just going to go out and be on mission and live our lives on mission. We're going to share Christ with people. And this group's going out to the mall and all kinds of places telling people about Jesus Christ. And why are they doing that? Because the grace of God became visible among them. And they said, we want to follow Christ like never before. And a part of that was going and taking the gospel to the people around them. Isn't that incredible? Now, I had a college student come home for Easter to our church. And he came up to me and said, hey... I've been at school, and I want to ask for your advice, you know. And so this is a student that I, that I thought, you know, I wonder what's really going in his life sometimes. I wonder how the Lord's working. He comes back home after being away. He's in our youth group. He comes back home, and he says to me, I've got a friend at school. He doesn't know the Lord. And I just wonder if you could give me a little advice on how I could walk through a gospel with him and help him to know the Lord like I do. Listen, the grace of God is visible in this place. There are story after story after story in this place about things like that happening in your lives. And what I want you to see through seeing the church at Antioch is the much more that's to be seen here. In fact, what I really want you to do today is see a little bit of the visibility of God's grace here and join with me in believing that the increase of God's grace being visible in this place is really the plan of God. It's not just the plan of God that we see the visibility of God's grace and rejoice. The real plan of God is that we see the visibility of God's grace in this place and rejoice and be a people who seek to increase the visibility of the grace of God by going and telling others about what we are rejoicing about. What I'm hoping this morning is that you would say, I want to surrender my life more fully to Jesus Christ more than ever before because I want to follow him. And help others follow him.
You see, the, the way of life in Christ is the way of increasing the visibility of God's grace in the church for the glory of God and our rejoicing. Do you realize that if every single person in this room decided to follow Christ so that they decided they would help others follow Christ and that became our collective passion, can you imagine the rejoicing that will overflow in this place? And we're already tasting it. We're already seeing it. And what I'm saying is let's increase it together because we see the plan of God in the visibility of his grace in the church. Now, that's not all Barnabas saw. When he was looking at the church of Antioch, he saw more than that. In fact, if you look in verse 28 through 30, you're going to read about a guy that came from Jerusalem with a group of Jewish Christians to the church in Antioch, a guy named Agabus. And he starts talking about a problem that's happening in Jerusalem that will be happening, a famine. So the people in Antioch, the church in Antioch, hears about the famine coming in Jerusalem, in the area of Jerusalem. And when they hear about the famine, do you know how they respond? Hey, wait a minute. The, the reason why we all know Christ in Antioch is because somebody from Jerusalem left Jerusalem and came to Antioch. The, the only reason we know about Jesus is because the Christians in Jerusalem reached out to us And now we are experiencing this great outpouring of the grace of God among us. And the church of Jerusalem is going to be hurting in the near future. We know it. We're not hurting right now. We have the means to help those who will be hurting. And so, hey, let's all just collect some money together. Let's throw some money together. Let's send it with Barnabas. And let's send it on back to Jerusalem. Because when God has given us the means, we're going to give proportionate to our means to help our brothers over there in Jerusalem who gave their their lives so that we might know Christ. What is it to us to give a little bit of our money to those who, who gave themselves so that we could know Christ? See, they understood what it means to be a recipient of the grace of God, and it, mean, it meant for them they looked at what they had differently. So now everything they had they saw as a gift from God, and when they had more than what they needed, and they found a brother or a sister in need in another community, they said, hey, right now I have more than what I need. Why don't I help them so they can keep following Christ? Someday I might be the one in need. And so they just give out of this generosity and this proportion to their means, and they give it because they understand grace. And all of a sudden, this giving of their money became visible grace of God in Antioch. So so if we look at the grace of God in Antioch, I want us to see what God's doing at Southside. So you'll rightfully call it grace. If you look at our financial records at this time this year, right now, if you just take a snapshot of our financial records, and then you look at what was happening a year ago this time, you're going to see that at this time of year, we have given over $20,000 more this year at this time than we gave last year at this time. You're going to see, here's what the church believed God would bring in in receipts to this date. You know what you're going to see? 
you're going to see that we've actually received more than we thought we'd receive at this date. In fact, if you look at 2015 compared to any other year in recent history, and we're doing better financially than we've done in years, and this is all coming after 2014, which was unprecedented in the amount of money that was given for missions and ministry in the church. I mean, it is phenomenal what God is doing here. And here's the great thing about it. Nobody's having to twist anybody's arms to get your money. Nobody's up here every week saying, you better give if you don't give. I mean, we talk about the needs. We let you know about the needs. But we trust the Lord. And guess what? He is supplying in great measure. In fact, Friday night, uh, the guy who spoke to the men, he walked into our worship center and he saw the offering boxes at at the exits there. He said, y'all do offering boxes? I was like, yeah, we do offer We did several years ago, went to that. He's like, well, man, I don't know. We still pass a plate. And, you know, he's kind of, I was like, hey, you want to know what happened when we switched to offering boxes? The weirdest thing happened. Our giving actually increased when we stopped passing the plate in front of people. I said, I don't know what that means. All I know is it's working. And here's the thing. This is what it says to me. The grace of God is visible because people are hearing about what the Lord is doing And according to the means that God has given them in the moment, they give. Which means that some people have greater means at different times than others, and they give according to their means. And what we're seeing is a body of people who are just collectively saying, we understand grace, and we just want to meet needs. We want to give as you give us opportunity. It's incredible. If you you think about the last several weeks, what's happened with the Annie Armstrong offering, that's an offering that goes to supporting church planters all over North America. We've been doing that last few weeks. All we do is say a couple things about it, show a video. That's pretty much all you've heard. You know what's happened? We've received over double the amount of money we received last year for the same offering. Now, that that is phenomenal. Now, let me just put that in perspective. For years, literally, For years, year after year after year, we lead all churches in our entire area in giving towards Annie Armstrong and Lottie Moon offerings, the missions offerings. There's no church that gives more in terms of the amount of money than we have been giving year after year after year. Every year we get this little little paper that we're supposed to put up, you know, make a plaque out of it. Well, we ended up throwing it away because we don't know what to do with those papers. Um, But here's the thing. We're getting recognition for that um, from these organizations as being this top giver. And, and, and what I want you to hear is not that we're beating everybody else out, but God has displayed his grace among us and we need to see it properly. It's incredible. Now, don't get me wrong, we still got needs. I mean, we, we, this just last week, we had over $5,000 in requests for benevolence help. Now, what the good news is we got more than enough money set aside from your generosity. We have means. Somebody else has need. We're just going to give more money for benevolence. And guess what? We had tons of money in there to give away. No problem. $5,000, who cares? Bring us another $5,000 this week. It doesn't matter because some of us is going to have means when others have needs, and we're just going to be able to help each other, and the grace of God will be visible. We got people going to India, we got people going to China, we got ministries going to happen. There's needs all over the place. But here's the thing the grace of God is visible here, and He's going to keep on working. And it's so much fun to be a part of. Again, what I would like us to do is consider how we might increase the visibility of God's grace. There's a simple way to do it in the area of giving. Here it is Lord, if you give me means to give, or if you give me means to give more, 
Will you lead me to give for your glory? That's it. There's a secret. If we will all leave today and just say, Lord, if you give me the means to give, or you give me the means to give more, will you just lead me to give? And what we'll experience in this place is an increase in the visibility of God that will lead us all to rejoice beyond what we can imagine. That's the plan of God. To increase the visibility of God's grace for his glory and our rejoicing. And what I'm really grateful for is that Barnabas did not just see the church of Antioch give their money. He saw something more. If you flip over to Acts chapter 13, you're going to see a little story about the church of Antioch giving more. And what happens is that Barnabas is there in Antioch. He's experiencing this great movement of God bringing about this church. And he says, I've got to go get some help. And so he goes over to Tarsus and he gets Saul, who's now called Paul, brings Paul back to Antioch. And the two of them begin to pour out their lives to the church of Antioch. Now consider this. You've got a brand new church full of nothing but new believers. Brand new Christians, Gentiles. They have no clue. You think about the difficulties and the struggles and the trials in a church like that. I mean, it's a mess. Well, Paul and Barnabas come in there, and they stay for over a year just pouring their lives out in this place. If you're a brand new church full of new Christians busting at the seams, how could you do any better picking your church planner, your primary preacher, your teacher, your guide, your elder, your leader, than getting Paul and Barnabas? And that's pretty good. You're hitting home runs on both cylinders right there. So Paul and Barnabas, they come in, they're pouring their lives out in this place, And then one day when they're having church, the Spirit of God says to the church, I want you to set Paul and Barnabas apart. And I want you to take them and I want you to send them away from Antioch. Because there are a lot of other places that have yet to experience Antioch. And Paul and Barnabas have seen it, and they've walked through it, and they've learned so much, and I want those two guys to go to new places so the visibility of my grace will increase beyond measure. You know what the church did? They embraced it, and they sent Paul and Barnabas because they wanted the grace of God in the church to increase in new places. That's the grace of God in Antioch. Let's think about Southside. I've seen story after story through the years of families and individuals who have been set apart by the Holy Spirit and moved to a location where there is not a Southside Baptist church. And God's planted them in a place in order to increase the visibility of God's grace in a place it was not readily seen. In fact, I'll tell you a story of one that's happening right now in our church. Several months ago, this couple, this family, began to sense God's leadership in their lives, began to pray about that. Lord, what does this mean? What are you really leading us to do? God laid out some things that they needed to obey, didn't clarify what God was doing in their lives, but they still obeyed the steps that God was showing them. They felt a real unsettledness in their heart. They felt like God was calling them to move away from here, but they didn't know all the details, but they gave it to obey the Lord. And then a couple weeks ago, we showed that, we showed that Annie Armstrong video and the stuff that's happening in church and the things that's happening in their lives. God, you brought it all together. 
and gave a little bit more clarity in their lives. And the week after that, they came in my office and they sat in my office and they said to me, God has called us to leave Abilene. We're going to sell everything. We're going to move to another state where there is no real strong gospel witness. This is a dark place. We want to go and we want to be a light. We're going to get jobs there. We're going to find a church plant to get plugged into. And we're just going to be there to be a light in that place. That is a story of the visibility of God's grace in a church. When you see people say, I'm leaving here in part because what God has done in my life here and the Holy Spirit has called me to go in another place and bring about the increase of the visibility of his grace there. And we're going to get to send them out as a church family. That's going to happen. As a church family, we're going to surround them. We're going to say, we get to send you out. Now, here's the thing. That's happening all the time here. Then you throw into the mix of those kinds of families our military families. You know, military families through the years, I've seen family after family, year after year, come to this place, and they arrive on assignment in Abilene. And nine times out of ten, it might be ten times out of ten, none of them put Abilene as their first choice. I mean, military people, can you confirm this for me? I've not made an official survey, but this is true. They have not put Dias Air Force Base. This is the mecca of all military bases. We want to go to Abilene because it's the greatest place on the face of the earth. They're not putting that down on their deal. They're getting sent here by the military. And then they find our church. And then they find our family, our church family. Hey, that's good. That's good. Keep preaching it. So, so these military families, they come in here, and something happens in the two to three to four to seven years that they're here. And they experience the visibility of God's grace in this place. And for many of them, Something changes in the way they see their lives. And then when their orders come, they no longer see the military as responsible for moving them to a new location. They see the Spirit of God calling them to move to a place where they might increase the visibility of God in a church. I've seen that happen again and again and again. I had a man come up to me after the service, in the first service, and he said, you know, we're moving to Dallas. This is our last Sunday here. You know, I've got that job there, and, and, but this is how he's communicating it. I'm not going there because i got a job there. I'm going there because of what I've experienced here, and God's called me from here to go there to be about increasing his grace. Just happens all the time in this place. And I hope you see that and are aware of that. I mean, if I had people stand up in here that have experienced this or are experiencing this, I think you would be shocked at how many people right now in this place are in the process of saying, Yes, I'll go anywhere in the world. Just set me apart and send me from this place because I've seen God's grace and I want it to increase in new places. Tim and I were thinking this last week, how many people over the last 10 plus years have left this place just to go into full-time ministry? We came up with something like 30 names 
of men and women who have left our body of believers to go in full-time ministry, and about 10 of those left our church to be senior pastors. I mean, that's phenomenal. When we start thinking about how many people have left this place to go be missionaries on the field full-time. I was thinking, well, there, there are probably 20 men and women who, are either, who have either gone or in the process of going from our church in the last 10 years. And you think about those numbers in our size church, that is a phenomenal display of the visibility of God's grace. And it should bring us to the point of rejoicing that God would use us to touch the world. And that's what he's done, and that's what he's doing, and that's what he'll continue to do. But it will require us to be a people who surrender. I want to be a person who's so surrendered to following you that I want to share Christ with others more than I've ever done it before. I want to be a person that's so surrendered to you that I'm willing to give of the means you've given me for your glory in whatever way you call me to give. I want to be a person that's so surrendered to you that I'm willing to go. If your spirit sets us apart and you call us, I'll be willing to go and do whatever you call us to do. I want to increase the visibility of your grace in the church for your glory and our rejoicing. I want you to read verse 23 with me one more time. Chapter 11, verse 23. When Barnabas arrived, He saw the grace of God, and he rejoiced. And he encouraged all of them to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. So he saw the grace of God, and he rejoiced. Fitting response to the grace of God. And then he encouraged them. And he said to them, you need to remain true to the Lord with all your hearts. Now look at at why he said that. Verse 24. Because he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith. What does that mean? Well, Barnabas comes into the church of Antioch and he sees the grace of God in unprecedented ways. And he knows that the best thing he can say in that moment to the church who's seeing the grace of God are these words. Remain true to the Lord. With all your hearts. There is no more damaging way to veil the grace of God than for his people to not remain true to Jesus. And there is no more significant way to increase the visibility of God than to remain true to Jesus all your lives no matter what. Years ago, I knew a man who came to trust Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. I sat at the table with him when he prayed to receive Christ. I heard him pray this prayer. I knew about his life, and I knew what he was leaving behind to follow Christ. And I knew that his decision was as sincere and genuine as I could ever have witnessed. I saw it. I watched him leave things behind. I watched him love his wife like never before. I watched him love his children with the gospel like never before. I saw changes in his life. He started sharing Christ with others. He got involved in Bible studies. I saw all kinds of visibility of God's grace in his life. But what I could not see over the years was a small drifting in his heart. He just started little by little to drift away from the Lord. 
You know, you know how I knew that that drifting was happening? You know how I came to understand that was going on? He hid it so well from me and others around him that knew him. But we all found out about it when he declared through what he did and what he said that he's leaving Jesus Christ. He left his wife. He left his children. He moved to a different place and started over with a new life that did not involve Jesus. You think about what that does. I'll just be honest with you. That created a dark cloud over my life that hindered me from being able to see the visibility of God's grace in his life. I started asking questions. My friends that were Christians started asking questions. What what really happened? I mean, I believe I saw God save him, but what happened? What's going on? Is what I saw really what I thought I saw? And I had all these questions about God's grace, and all of a sudden, what was so visible previously becomes clouded under those circumstances when someone turns away from Jesus Christ, and you begin to wonder, do we ever even see the grace of God? And you can imagine what a non-Christian is going to say. I mean, this guy had been sharing Christ with non-Christians in his life. They were looking at Jesus through his life, and then the guy bails on his family and bails on Jesus, and all those people around him were going, what what in the world now? I mean, when you don't remain true to Jesus, you put a cloud over the visibility of God's grace so that people that are watching wonder, what in the world are we seeing? Contrast that with another man I know. When he was a kid, he came to trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And through his early years, his parents would take him to church all the time. And he tried to follow the Lord and know the Lord best he could as a kid. You know, he got to high school. And maybe he wasn't as serious about walking the Lord as he had been when he was younger. And he got to college. And he certainly wasn't very serious about walking the Lord in college. He ended up marrying a lady. They met in college. She was not even a believer. But he continued to go to church because that's what he knew that he wanted to be. He wanted to be a person who followed Christ. He just wasn't very serious about it at this stage in his life. He took his wife to church and they went to church. And guess what happened? She heard the gospel. She became a Christian. And that completely revolutionized their lives. It just totally reignited his trust in the Lord. And he began walking with the Lord. She began walking with the Lord. And the grace of God was so visible in their lives. They were serving the Lord, honoring the Lord in every way, seeing God work in their lives, teaching in the church, leading in the church, amazing stuff happening in their lives. And then when he was coming home from the airport, having arrived from a mission trip to Brazil, his wife told him on the drive home, I don't want to be married to you anymore. I don't love you anymore. And I'm not interested in following Jesus anymore. And she left him. And I witnessed this man go into a period of time, a long period of time, completely struggling with his walk with the Lord, just stagnating. And I watched and I wondered, what is happening with the grace of God in his life? And I would pray for him. Oh, God, would you please help him come back to you? I'll never forget years ago, we were having a conversation. He said to me, Kevin, I want you to know something that's been happening in my life. I see, there's scriptures that I memorized years ago when I was walking closely with the Lord that the Lord's been bringing back into my heart. And I can't explain why it's happening. It's just happening all the time. And and I'm just shocked that I can remember all these things from years ago. And here's what I think is going on. I think God is tired of me not pursuing him like I should. 
and I want to come back to the Lord. And I got to see a complete about face. And this man began to walk with Christ. And now today he's an old man. And he's faithful in his church. He teaches a Sunday school class. He was recently faced with potential death in a surgery situation. You know what he told me right before he goes into surgery? He goes, I want you to know, um, I went to my neighbor. And I shared Christ with my neighbor. Because I'm not sure if I don't make it, anybody's going to tell him about Jesus. So just in case I don't make it, I went to tell him. And if I don't make it, I know the Lord's going to take care of it all. You know what I see when I look at my dad? I see somebody who's remained true to the Lord. He wasn't perfect. He made tons of mistakes. If I told you all the things he did, you'd say, well, that guy's failing. That guy's struggling. That guy's not following the Lord. Yeah, in windows of time, you could see where he's not doing it well. But you know what he's decided over the course of his life? He's at the end of his life. You know what you see? You see a man remaining true to the Lord no matter what. And I I want you to hear, when you look at his life, you see the visibility of God's grace. You know what you see in those years where he was struggling? You see God's grace pulling him back. You know what you see in those years that he was rebelling? You see scripture coming to his heart, the spirit prompted in his life. You see the visibility of God's grace best when people decide to remain true to Jesus Christ no matter what. If we want to be a church that increases the visibility of God's grace, then let's be a people who say, I will follow Jesus no matter what. I will surrender and I will share the gospel more than ever before. I will surrender in whatever means you give me, you use for your glory. I will surrender and if your spirit sets me apart, I will follow you to the ends of the earth. I want the increase of the visibility of your grace for your glory and our rejoicing. That's who we need to be. If we'll make that decision... Day after day, week after week, year after year, do you know what will happen? A ripple of God's grace will reverberate into the years so that one day when all of us are long gone, there will be a people of God who meets that's called Southside Baptist Church. And when people look at that body of believers, they will say, we can see the grace But it requires us to be a people who will follow no matter what. And so my prayer for you is that today you will echo the words of Paul. And you will say, I am what I am by the grace of God. And God's grace is not proved ineffective in me. No, I worked harder than everybody else. No, not I, but the grace of God in me me. God's plan for your life is to increase the visibility of his grace for his glory and your rejoicing. And there is no better way to live your